Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Andrew Mellett, the co-founder and CEO of Plexus, the maker of Legal Gateway, a legal operating system used by a wide range of in-house legal teams. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Great. Thanks, Ari. Andrew, tell us about your background and the genesis of Plexus. Well, look, I mean, one of the interesting things about Plexus is I'm not a lawyer and my background was in management consulting. My co-founder and I started Plexus about eight years ago. And what we saw was something very simple, which was that my clients, which at the time were predominantly CFOs and heads of strategy of some of the world's largest companies, were incredibly frustrated with their traditional law firms and didn't feel that they were getting excellent value out of them. And on the flip side, a lot of our friends who were lawyers at those top law firms were leaving in droves, not necessarily because they hated being a lawyer, they just didn't like the employee value proposition. And so we just recognized that was a big enough problem that someone should solve it. And then going back eight years, I look back at that and think that was probably a view that was informed by naivety and hubris. But we ultimately thought that there's got to be a better way to deliver legal services. How did you identify the need for a legal-specific operating system? The background of Genesis is that we, our original business, which we we still operate just within domestically in Australia, is essentially the axiom of Australia. And so we're working with a lot of clients to help them try and figure out how to deliver legal work better, faster, more cost-effectively, obviously. And we're doing process re-engineering, applying Lean Six Sigma and other methodologies to legal tasks. And what we simply recognize is that legal tasks ultimately follow a very simple pattern where a client comes, they have some facts and an issue they need solving. A lawyer will then apply those facts to the law or risk management frameworks and generate a document piece of advice that needs executing, uh, sometimes negotiation, obviously, and ideally, the legal function should store, report, and create an audit trail. And what we recognized was that this was all manual and that uh, most legal functions don't have a system of record to store the information of that life cycle. If they do, it's really just a repository, a dumping ground for contracts or other artifacts. They have almost no productivity tools to help lawyers get their jobs done. And unlike other functions, they haven't really leveraged automated self-service to help people in the business get things done faster, more consistently and more cost-effectively. Given that issue, what trends do you see impacting the provision of legal services in 2019? It's been really interesting to watch. I mean, I think my narrative is that in one sense, things have moved faster over the last eight or nine years than I expected. I mean, when we started out, everyone said, look, the legal industry has never changed, never going to change. It is the way it is for a reason. You guys are fools for trying to change it. Now, obviously, Everyone's talking about technology and and new law and the need for big law to change. So that narrative is quite exciting. I think on the flip side is a lot of the the same behaviors, the same incentives are still there, which will lock us in step. And we really forecast the systemic change industry really won't happen until the next downturn. And the reason behind that is that large law firms and businesses are making record profits. So the incentive to drive a a real systemic change is not going to be there or not as great. So that's the moving slower piece. On the flip side is things are moving faster than we ever would have thought. And so when we look at that, the trends that are 
driving that are pretty obvious. A drive to compress operational expenditure across large businesses is forcing general counsels to you know, really for the first time rethink how they do legal work, what they do and who they work with. The second is there's a confluence of factors around large amounts of capital pursuing this industry for the first time. So uh, funding startups and a, and a wide array of them recognition that technology is you know, uh, uh, new news for the legal industry but perhaps uh, not for every other industry that technology is going to change the game and we think probably most interestingly that the incumbents don't have an incentive structure or a balance sheet to really fund large investments in technology to deliver legal services better faster and more cost effectively you're based in Australia, but serve companies all over the globe. How do legal challenges differ around the world? The interesting thing for us being an obviously Australian-founded company, when we first entered the U.S. market, we kind of were a little hesitant and felt that less traditional for a technology company then. From Australia to enter the U.S. market, more traditional for a U.S. technology company to enter the Australian market. And we thought that it was quite likely that uh, large legal functions there had adopted sophisticated technology to help them get the job done. What we found was actually that the U.S. market is somewhat out of kilter of what we see in, in Asia and in the U.S. Uh, in, in the sense that they haven't historically been as internally focused, I suppose, on how their lawyers can increase their productivity, which is obviously really high on the priority list in Australia and the U.K. and, and elsewhere. And the reason, after speaking with a lot of general counsels and now working with a lot of general counsels in, in the U.S., what we kind of hypothesized, the reason behind that is that the huge regulatory change agenda that's been running in the U.S. in the last 10 years has obviously been a huge focus for, for in-house legal functions. The second is that the enormous external legal spend that is required to operate in the United States because of the differences in the, the legal system there has meant that a lot of the strategic priorities of general counsels historically have been focused on, on managing that external spend. So uh, to give you an example, one of the more simple things our platform will do will automate routine tasks like NDAs. I had a conversation with the COO of one of the big banks, one of the largest legal functions in the US uh, last year, and he said, yeah, look, we know we've got 12 lawyers in one of our offices just doing NDAs. Yeah, we get we could automate that, but it's just not really a big deal because our external legal spend you know, approaches a billion dollars, and that's the bigger issue to focus on. And so that's the US. In the, in the UK, we see that the agenda there, while very similar to, to what we've seen in our domestic market around how do I do more with less, how do I scale risk management across the enterprise, legal risk management across the enterprise? How do I automate high volume, lower risk activities? It's been slammed sideways over the last few years, largely because of some of the disruption of things like GDPR, obviously Brexit, other sort of macro trends has sort of slowed things down, but it's certainly moving at pace. And of the markets we operate in, it has probably the most mature alternate legal service or sort of innovative law market by virtue of the fact that it got deregulated, I don't know, five, six years ago. And so it's an exciting place to operate. And then particularly given it's, the other thing it's, London has is it's the most dense legal services market in the world. And so, yeah, it's interesting to see the different flavors, but certainly if you draw the trend line, you know, history is on the side of those who are driving innovation because there's big interest and big demand, as no doubt you'll see in your conversations, Aaron. 
Speaking of history being on the side of those who drive innovation, what impact is artificial intelligence having on the legal industry? This has been an interesting one for us to watch. I mean, we were probably one of the earliest investors in this space. Going back about five years ago, we worked with a vendor to try and develop some artificial intelligence within the legal industry. But what we've seen in the last five years is with the exclusion of things that are search-related, so you know, think about discovery, predictive coding has been very successful and will continue to be. But for the most part, artificial intelligence to date has been a marketing spin, and a lot of it has largely been smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of people making claims about that their technology is artificial intelligence, where the reality it is just standard code. There's no machine learning component to it. The second category there we see is folks who are the brave money who are pursuing true artificial intelligence, doing legal contract review, etc. And what we've seen is that, unfortunately, to date, the technology hasn't been mature, but as Richard Susskind says, it'll disappoint in the short term, but it'll wow you in the long term. So um, although it's not a space that we think is worthwhile investing in aggressively, currently we think certainly in the medium, so it's going to get pretty exciting and pretty interesting. We actually wrote a blog on this two years ago, I think, that said legal AI, high on artificial, low, low on intelligence, which kind of summarized. One of the things that when we're advising general counsels about how to think about their legal strategy and where to make investments, some of them run to, I want to get into AI and blockchain, et cetera, because they're kind of buzzwords. One of the things we advise our clients to say is like, what are the problems you're trying to solve? And the most part is the problems don't require artificial intelligence. And there's actually a lot of simple blocking and tackling. And so these folks are kind of trying to jump the obvious, the easy, quick wins to try and run to something that might seem exciting and impress their peers or team or boss. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, I remember back in the late 90s when Bill Gates was first starting to get into philanthropy and he said, hey, I made a lot of money out of PCs, uh, computer literacy is going to be a big deal in the future and kids in Africa don't have access to computers. So he spent millions of dollars giving free computers to schools in Africa, which was a very worthwhile pursuit, obviously, but only to find out that a lot of the schools didn't have electricity and had leaking roofs and so <laughs> the computers didn't add a lot of value. And it's sort of much similar for legal functions. We say to general counsels, look, do you have a system of record to manage legal tasks? Because finance has got ERP, sales has got, you know, Salesforce or CRM, HR's got HRIS, et cetera. What's your system of record? And they say, no, we don't know where our contracts are or records we have of legal tasks are really stored in Outlook. And we sort of suggest to them that that's probably a better investment than you know, trying to invest in today and unproven technology. In this new era, how do you see the role of the general counsel evolving? It's interesting. One of the things that I suppose is a bit different about my background is that when I was management consultant, my team served CFOs, heads of strategy, heads of internal audit, all the executives in the finance team, and then I had some smaller teams serving sort of CIOs and heads of HR. So I got a kind of flavor of, of you know, all the things that are happening in those different functions, the maturity of those functions. And what I learned was that legal functions were frankly, a little bit behind the curve when benchmarking against their other functional peers. So if you take just the technology lens, obviously, you know, ERP systems have been around for you know, probably more than 30 years, and we're only seeing general counsel starting to adopt holistic legal operating systems kind of now is just sort of one element of that. And the reason behind that is kind of interesting. It's largely driven by the fact that the general counsel is the only 
executive uh, around the senior executive suite who gets kind of parachuted in uh, typically as a, a senior practitioner. So they typically you know, often come in as a ex-partner who used to work with the CEO or, or was the relationship partner of your top law firm and uh, often haven't graduated through the ranks of multiple different legal functions. Whereas obviously if you think about a CFO, they typically sometime in their 20s, they came in from a big four or something like that and spent 20 years sort of working their way through different legal, uh, different finance functions. And so by virtue of that, they worked out what works and what doesn't across different functions. So when you look forward, the exciting thing is that for the first time in our history, we've seen legal functions get start to get quite serious about legal transformation. And that's going to be a real game changer for not only general counsel and not only the legal function, but the business in general. So you know, when you think about this, that we see there's about three or four different pillars of a legal transformation. First is thinking more holistically about how they structure their legal functions. We're seeing you know, obviously the rise of legal operations functions, which are not only holding the baton for the transformation or, or the performance improvement agenda, but increasingly they're setting up sort of shared service functions, much like finance, IT and HR have, to try and do the routine business as usual legal work more efficiently and then redeploy that time capacity and budget towards business partnering activities. And again, this is a proven playbook that pretty much all the other functions have adopted. So finance has the accounts payable, accounts receivable in a shared service centre, payroll perhaps, etc. And then reallocate that time to finance business partners. HR has benefits and other activities in a shared service centre, etc., etc. The second thing is we're seeing a dramatic increase in focus around end-to-end performance reporting, so data and metrics around the legal function. So this is often starting with more progressive functions, thinking about how does work come into the legal function, how does it get allocated, and using tools like a legal gateway platform to do that, and then all the way through to use analytics to try and determine how they're creating value for the business, how they can optimize that value, etc. Third is obviously the adoption of technology. There's four main categories we see there. One is external spend management, which is bigger in the U.S., than it is elsewhere for obvious reasons. Second, tools to increase the productivity of their team. Third is around automated self-service. And fourth is around looking at a holistic system of records. So that's contract lifecycle management, knowledge management, matter management, etc. Perhaps the fourth is that we're seeing general counselors rethink the competencies that are required within their functions. So the historic competences of looking at someone's technical expertise is now seen as sort of the ante to play the game. And there's an increasing focus on the business acumen, project management, technology adoption, process improvement, analysis, strategic thinking, these sorts of emerging competencies for lawyers, which I think two things in that. One is you know, this is an exciting opportunity for progressive lawyers because, you know, frankly, most of them want to get more involved in the business, want to be seen as a strategic partner, not just the guy that drafts the contract. The flip is we're seeing that, unfortunately, lawyers who aren't able to progress their skills or aren't interested are somewhat falling by the wayside. An outward expression of this is we've seen GC turnover almost double in the last two years as a result of the business expecting a different kind of legal service. 
This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Andrew Mellett, the co-founder and CEO of Plexus, the maker of Legal Gateway, a legal operating system used by a wide range of in-house legal teams. Andrew, thanks so much. Thanks, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.